Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When it's time to party, we will party hard. Sports fans, we are live for another great edition of that sports show. Not this sports show, not any other sports show, that sports show. Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of uh, basically any sport we don't cover with another show. On tonight's show, we will obviously jump into the NFL and the Atlanta Falcons. We are going to talk NASCAR as I... I I stand behind the fact that we got the ending that this was all supposed to be about. We'll talk more about that. F1 is, I believe, in uh, the last few of its races this weekend down in Brazil. A little bit of a Hawks update and, uh, and uh, obviously a little World Series update as well. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind everybody that if you would like to contact the show, you can do so the following ways. You can email the show, 3endzone at gmail.com. If you want to put something in the subject line to help us out about what your question's about, that's great. If you do not, that's fine too. We will figure it out. If you would like to search for us on Facebook, you can do so, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York, any of those should be able to find us. If you are one of those kind of people that just like to click a link and listen to a show. Totally get it. Totally understand. We like you guys too. You can go to our Twitter page where at Team Impact Media has nothing but the show links. You can scroll down to whichever show you would like to listen to and click on it and it will play from there. Also, if you would like to follow me and all the things on and off the show that I get into, fun things, fun tidbits, things that I think uh, other people would find as entertaining as I do, you could do so at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. And of course, you can find this show anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, the iTunes Store, and many, many more. We definitely appreciate those recent ratings from a lot of you guys, and uh, here soon we're gonna start. We're gonna start. We'll start doing some some uh, things for some of you guys that are uh, contributing in that way. We definitely appreciate it. As I said, there is a lot going on in the NFL, and uh, I want to start with with a story that was. Um, it's not the weirdest story of the week we will definitely get into one that that is that but the one i want to get into at least out of the gate is that as of tuesday matt stafford is in concussion protocol and i'm thinking that's weird because usually after you play a game on sunday you are checked by medical then on Monday, it may be a walkthrough. Sometimes it's a day off. I, I don't remember the exact collective bargaining agreement on that. Uh, but So Monday rolls around. And then Tuesday rolls around and they practice. And they said there was no real incident or anything that happened that would, you know, potentially give him a concussion. He didn't do this at home, I don't guess. But from what Sean McVay said, and of course he's the head coach of the Rams, he says that the medical team, the medical staff, did their cleanup after the game. And uh, based on some of the answers 
that he gave. Uh, they just thought it was, you know, err on the side of caution and determined that he should go into concussion protocol. And, of course, he will have to be tested and cleared from there to play. I'll be honest. First of all, that's a little scary. Because if this did kind of just materialize, and I, I stand by the fact, they are facts, look them up. A lot of times, concussion-like symptoms don't show up for a couple days. Maybe Matt Stafford was complaining of a headache or or a lot of the a lot of the other symptoms you could have. Maybe he came in saying, you know, that hit I took Sunday. I don't know. Maybe it rattled me a little bit. Maybe he brought it to their attention, which is entirely possible. The other side of this, and I'm not accusing, I'm not accusing the medical staff of not diagnosing it earlier because, like I said, these kind of things can linger. Sometimes you don't know you have a concussion at all, unless somebody does a scan or things like that, which is another scary thing. But the other side of this coin is that the Rams are are obviously on the fringe of being out of contention. They, they could still rebound and, and find themselves as a wild card. They know that. Potentially win the division. I mean, some crazy things could happen. But the backup for the Rams is John Wolford. John Wolford was the backup for Jared Goff and actually got into a game and played back in 2020. If I'm not mistaken, Wolford came from the AAF, which I s- believe I saw him play live right here in Atlanta. Uh, pretty pretty solid effort in the AAF for sure. Uh, but when he played, he helped lead him to a playoff spot as they took on, uh, I believe it was the Cardinals. Wasn't it the Cardinals then? They play him again this week. But anyway, uh, he threw for 231 yards and ran for 56 more in a week 16 or 17 victory. That uh, sounds like a pretty good stat line. So what I'm saying, I'm not saying that they're making up that Stafford could have a concussion. But when they err on the side of caution, if they feel like he's not 100% ready to go, it's not the world's worst decision to play Wolford and see how things go. If I'm not mistaken, I could be, Stafford's contract with the Rams, I think, did he did he re-up? I don't think he did. I think it runs out next year, maybe. Maybe, I'm not sure what the cap hit is. Could this be their way of seeing if they should go after a quarterback in the offseason? Should they do something with Stafford if he's not going to be a free agent? Or is this their, just their way of, of just being precautionary? I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of caution here and say that I think it is just their way of protecting their quarterback that helped lead them to a Super Bowl. And that um it's nice when you can count on your backup, but the intention of putting in a concussion protocol has nothing to do with with the uh, backup quarterback. I think it, it very much has to do with that. I think Stafford come in with some symptoms and they said, let's just be safe about it. But not to be outdone, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray uh, found his way onto the injury report earlier today with a hamstring injury. They listed him as they did not practice, but it was only a walkthrough, so that, that is what it is. If you're only doing a walkthrough, and it's not that important that he be there, then there's no reason for him to be there at that point. Um, Although I would argue a walkthrough can be almost as important as as taking those actual reps. Uh, It's not like Kyler Murray probably studied the playbook anyway, so he'll just make it up and figure it out as he goes. And then not to be outdone, the third quarterback injury that I want to talk about is Josh Allen. 
He hurt his elbow. It is the ulnar crucial ligament, otherwise known as the UCL. It is a pitching type injury. I believe Stafford had one similar to this, and there's been a couple, I think Big Ben as well. I think that was the one that ultimately kind of put the fork in him towards the end. And right now, he's day-to-day, and the Bills are unsure if he's going to play. He's, they're, they're saying we're just taking it day by day. We don't know if he's going to play this weekend against Minnesota. Maybe he does. If he does not, his backup is Case Keenum, who used to play for Minnesota, who is their opponent this weekend. And yes, shout out to Kirk Cousins for his uh, shirtless um, dancing in as many chains as he could on the plane. That that was, uh, and then shout out to Schefter for copying it on and doing his version on Monday Night Football. That I think that was probably even more epic that Schefter would do that. Kirk Cousins doing that, and it's pretty epic that he did it too. But so, what are the Bills going to do? The Bills have a little bit of a lead, but it's not much of a lead in the AFC East. They only have, um, they've played one fewer game than the Jets and one fewer game than Miami. So they hold a slight tactical advantage because they have one less loss. But it's not like they can really rest on their laurels here. Uh, I think trusting Case Keenum is is definitely something they can lean on. But Buffalo can't falter too much. Like I said, they're 6 and 2. The Jets are 6 and 3. Miami is 6 and 3. And the New England Patriots are 5 and 4. Everybody's jumbled right together. You can say what you want about the Patriots or the Jets or even Miami, but they're all in in the six-win range. So we will see what happens of that. And those are three injuries that could impact things going forward uh, across the entire league. Next up, I want to talk about, um, uh, we'd call it the elephant, but it's more like the horse in the room. Jim Irsay, because I do not believe whatsoever that anybody else in the building made this decision. Jim Irsay let go of Frank Reich as his head coach the other day. Understandable. Frank is an offensive guy. They had already gotten rid of the offensive coordinator, uh, I think, and some other people. So Frank was the one running the offense, and their offense was non-existent the other day and this is the NFL there's one thing in getting shut down and there's another thing and they didn't need to shut you down you couldn't have done it anyway you couldn't have scored on one player let alone 11 and so they get rid of Frank Wright so we're like okay clearly they're going to name an interim and then they'll search for their new coach probably in the off season you know we'll, we'll see what direction they go there's going to be some people available and then Jim Irsay once again goes out of rogue, I guess. I mean, it's kind of par for the course for him, but just goes away from Norm, which I give him, I give him a lot of credit for doing decent things and for for. Being outside the box, I, I give him credit for that because too many people follow the same patterns. But he names his interim coach as Jeff Saturday. Yep, that Jeff Saturday, his former standout player, who I believe is in his Ring of Honor. I believe wasn't he a center? Did I, did I think he was. And so you're like, okay, well, so he went outside the building to name an interim coach where you've had four or five good candidates on on the staff already, including Reggie Wayne, your former standout wide receiver. You had Gus Bradley, who has been a head coach before. 
um, John Fox, who has been a head coach twice before. And yet, you, you, you hire Saturday. So you're like, okay, well, clearly Saturday was probably an up-and-coming candidate, was probably on somebody's staff in the NFL. No. Oh, he'd probably been on somebody's staff previously before. No. Okay, well, then clearly he was a head coach in college. No. Okay, clearly he was a part of somebody's staff in college. No. He was an advisor? No. Let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. What Jeff Saturday had done in the last couple years outside of being an analyst for ESPN. I believe it was ESPN. may have been NFL Network. Either way, for being an analyst, was he coached high school football in Georgia. Coached high school football in Georgia. He actually done a pretty good job. I think he took one, uh, the team to the playoffs or... I'm not saying he was bad. He definitely wasn't. And so, somebody who coached a couple seasons in as a high school coach, was a former NFL standout player, was hired by Jim Ursay to be the interim coach. Yeah, and for the longest time, we had no idea who was going to call plays for the offense because there was nobody on this staff whoever had done that before and uh, the rumors went wild and rampant they said well if he went outside the the building to to get his his interim coach which you don't have to Rooney rule for because it's a temporary position they will when they search for a coach even if they decide to keep Saturday on they they still have to go through the protocols um, no they named or people that people fantasized about they said well, if you're going to go outside the box like this, I mean, clearly uh, Peyton Manning would be somebody that you could bring in to, to make the calls. Um, you could. He's qualified for it. Don't know if uh, he's definitely not going to take that position. I, I'm not sure that he would be the, the one I would necessarily target either. So the people said, well, all right, well, Reggie Wayne is, is on the, the staff. I mean, clearly, you know, he would, yeah, I, I would say he qualifies too. But, no, that's, that's not who they went for. And, um, you know, people said, why not Pat McAfee? Uh, because Pat McAfee has 14 jobs now. Why, why would he want to stop to do that? And two, no, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, people even said, why not Dan Orlovsky, who famously played football for a long time, including for the Colts, knows Ursay real well, knows the organization real well, knows Jeff Saturday real well. No, not him either. Nope. Your offensive play caller is a guy named Parks Frazier. Parks Frazier. Yeah, it sounds like somebody making their NXT debut for the WWE on Tuesday nights. Which, by the way, NXT is, is like their, their feeder program. I wouldn't necessarily call it AAA. It's just a feeder program for them. It's, it's a great development place. Yeah, Parks Frazier. It also sounds like uh, the random name generator on Madden. And and I don't want to sell this guy short. I mean, he actually has a pretty miraculous story if you want to go look it up. I mean, at one time, he wanted to make coaching work so bad, he, he basically lived in his car and was just going opportunity to opportunity before he got to be a grad assistant and worked himself up. And when uh, and uh, a really good friend of his who knew that the Colts at one time were looking for the uh, assistant position, video coordinator, whatever he, he is on the team, that they recommended that they hire him for it, Frank Wright hire him for it, and Frank did. So it's, it's, not, it's not that he's unqualified to do it. It's just there's so many first-time things that are going to happen for the Colts this week. Um, I do like the rumor. I, I give people credit for this, too, that uh, if you're looking for somebody to, the most qualified person on the Colts team to call the offensive plays, when somebody said, why not Matt Ryan? You know, it's kind of hard to argue that when he's by far the most tenured, just 
just most most tenured offensive person on the team. That 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 would have been interesting for sure. But we'll see what happens with the Colts. I tend to think that he made these moves because if they work, he's a genius. If they don't, then he can chalk it up to uh, giving an opportunity to a good friend. And uh, then they tank really bad, and he ends up with really good draft picks. Uh, here's what you should, ta you should use your draft picks on if you are Jim Ursay. I think you should, not I think, more than me, believe you need to go get the quarterback right. Ever since Andrew Luck uh, mysteriously retired, your team has, has basically been a shell. It's been a shell. You tried to replace it with aging quarterbacks. You tried to do it with um, smaller quarterbacks. You tried to do it with Sam Ellinger. From what I saw, Sam does some good stuff, but Sam is not your answer, at least right now. So, Ursa, you're going to have to do something different because it just, it didn't, it didn't work this time. We'll, we'll see what it does. I do also think that as he sees what is happening with Snyder, Dan Snyder, that maybe in the back of his mind he's thinking let me go ahead and do these kind of off the wall crazy things now because maybe if Dan Snyder doesn't go peacefully and he tries to take people with him maybe Ursay knows he's one of the people he'll take with him kind of take him on the way out and maybe he's just trying to get everything in order that he can um Last thing I wanted to say before I talk some Falcons is as far as the, the Washington Commander situation, the person of interest to keep an eye out for is a guy named Josh Harris. Josh Harris, I believe, is the 76ers owner. And... He was one of the main ones. I believe he was the one who said for Denver, if if uh, if they were, you know, if they would allow him to do so, he was going to pay $5 million straight up for him. And instead, the NFL wanted a bidding war to happen. And when the bidding war kind of didn't, because what they wanted was for the Waltons to say, okay, we'll give you four and a half. And then... We'll give four and a half million. And then Josh Harris to come back and say, I'll give you 4.6. And then it goes 4.75. Then it goes 4.85. Then it goes 4.9. Uh, 4.97. It just becomes a, uh, a tiddlywink contest here until it, it just shoots the number to five and a half. Or, or then, they, then they counter with six. And then he counters with six and a quarter. And, you know, it just becomes a, a weird thing. And that's what the NFL wanted. Instead, Josh Harris says, look, I'll give you $5 million. That's my top price. And they said, we'll get back to you. And then they allowed the Walton kids of Walmart fame, you guys know that, to purchase the Denver Broncos for under $5 million. Just figure that out. Imagine the way, as crazy as this housing market is right now. You go to buy a house, and the house is worth $200,000. And you walk in and say, my top price is 300000 If you want, I will give you the 300000 right now, and I will take over control of the house. Instead, the realtor goes back to, or goes to a, a another person, and says, hey, this is a $200,000 house. We have offers on it. Would you, what would you give us? Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you $270,000. I'll give you $270,000. $70,000 over its actual market value because I really want this house. I want to be in this neighborhood. And like I said, you just, you just heard somebody pay three for it, $300,000. And this realtor goes, great, it's yours. First off, if I'm Josh Harris, I gotta wonder what didn't they like about him? It, is there something they didn't like, or did they just want the the Walmart family to be a part of the billionaires club? 
of the NFL. Is, is, maybe it was that. But on the flip side, you got to know that, that he's going to come in and, and with the commanders and, and probably say the same thing and probably say, look, my price is this. I'm not bidding. I'm not negotiating that kind of Here's my price. So we'll kind of see what happens because there are some other teams that could potentially come up for sale soon. Uh, the commanders are probably first. We will see what happens from there. But uh, Josh Harris, once again, is the one to keep in mind for that. Uh, let's talk a little Atlanta Falcons. And let's just stop this notion altogether. Because you sound more ridiculous every time you say it. And I say you, and it's a, and a fraction of a percent of the fan base. Saying that Falcons are going to Falcon. Let's just stop the negativity right there. Just let's 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 make sure that the the term falcon is not a verb that you use, especially to describe this team. Falcons gonna falcon. Let's, let's once again. That should be the last time you you hear that. And if other people say it, ignore them because they're they're idiots. I will say it right there. They're they're buffoons. Keep the positivity around this team because the more negativity you put towards this franchise, at some point, no matter how tough these these players are, enough negativity gets to them and they'll start to believe it too. They'll start to believe that they're cursed and that they can never turn it around and that good things don't happen to them because they're a part of this franchise and that the franchise is bad. And then after a while, good players don't want to come here. And the good players that you do have don't want to stick around. It just creates the bad environment, the worst environment. And that's not what this team is about. This team is a very positive team. When the Falcons are doing good, so is the city of Atlanta. The surrounding area, what the Falcons doing well does for the surrounding area is fantastic. It's what, you know, it's what the Cubs winning the World Series a couple years ago, what, 2016? When they won, what it did for the city of Chicago. Chicago is still in a little bit of a rough stretch, but they were in a bad place. It's a great city. There's a lot of great things going on, but they were not having... They were not having enough positives... They were trying to turn around, things they were trying to do, but the Cubs and their magic run helped that city boost itself up, get the positivity flowing again, and Chicago, it's on its way to being back to the booming city that it was. They're not that far away. But in this case, we have to do that with the Falcons. And you guys try to argue that it's a Braves town? Maybe it is. Yet, more people talk about the Falcons year-round than the Braves. In the middle of June, when people are sweating, just melting into seats at SunTrust, about half of everybody is talking about the game, the Braves game that they're at, and the other half are wondering what the Falcons are going to do this year. Because, hey, you guys are going to drafted this guy. Or, man, we kept this guy. He's so exciting. I wish he'd play more. Or, this veteran, I'm so glad he's here. Or I'm excited for this coach or for this matchup. Man, these guys are going to be in town this, this year and I can't wait to go. I hear it. I hear it at the games just like you guys do. All around town. People will say, yeah, oh, the Braves are doing good. Oh, man, uh, Dansby Swanson, he did this. He he'd had a great night. He did this thing. Uh, you know, Ozzy Albies, man, he stole four bases last night. And it's usually, it usually leads up to a Falcons discussion. You guys care about the Falcons. The Falcons are your team. The Falcons are the city of Atlanta. So let's stop using that as a negative verb. And let's say, go Falcons. Not only go Falcons. But 
support this team. Instead of talking about all the bad things that happened, because, hey, there's less and less bad things. This team's pretty good. Instead of constantly saying that Desmond Ritter should be the quarterback, not yet, you're still in contention. In fact, I would say until you are three games out, at least three games out of the top of the division, that kid ain't getting off the bench outside of an injury. I'm keeping him there. Because what they are... They are in a virtual tie with Tampa Bay. I guess Tampa holds a tiebreaker. I don't know. I don't know how they determine that. Oh, because Tampa is 2-1 in the division and uh, Atlanta's 1-2. But they are basically a half game out of their division. So, until they are at least three games out, I'll be honest, I don't even really want to hear Ritter's name. It's nothing personal to the kid, but I think he's developing nicely. He's not beating out Mariota in practice. If he was, he'd be in the game. You think Arthur Smith would purposely keep the kid back if he's outperforming the starter? No, a thousand percent. He'd have him in. But he's not beating him out yet. So until he beats him out, he can sit on the bench. That's the way everything goes. Let's talk a little bit about the game that they had. They, uh, they took on the Los Angeles Chargers. And from what I can tell, Los Angeles, who is known for putting up a lot of points, they've got tons of weapons. They did have a couple of them out, but Austin Eckler is a A-plus running back. Uh, Justin Herbert is a top three quarterback in this league. And Eckler only had uh, 14 carries for 47 yards and a touchdown. He was going to get the touchdown anyway. 47 yards. This is a guy who's been averaging 110 practically all year long. And you cut that more in half, more than in half. Uh, Spiller, the backup, only had 29 yards. Sony Michelle, they tried to change the pace. He only got 12. In fact, quarterback Herbert, he only had three. In fact, and also, you only gave up 20 points, which is two touchdowns and two field goals. Field goals you can consider as stops, even though one of them beat you. You took on a Charger team that is really good and outside of Palmer catching eight passes for 106 yards what what offensively did they really do you basically shut down one of the better offenses and you had them you had them all the way you get into you get into a, a, a last second chance here and they end up with the ball last and they kick the field goal and they win this is what you've done to other teams in the previous years. You win most of the close games. You happen to not win this one. Uh, in fact, Justin Herbert, 30 for 43. You had him throw 43 times, which means he was behind a lot of the game. 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I bet he hadn't had that step, stat line since middle school. You completely basically shut them down and let's see you only gave up two sacks on the day only two and that was to Tranquil and uh, James Jr. you guys can say all you want about Mariota but 12 for 23 I, I would like him to throw a little more, but it's not part of the game plan. That's not the way this team plays. The Falcons play the same way the UGA Bulldogs play. They play the same way where the strengths are of Georgia State Panthers. You pound the ball, you run the ball, you control the clock, and you take your chances with passes when you need to. That's how those teams are successful. When they get away from that is when the score goes a different direction. But like I said, 12 for 23 for Mariota, 129 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Okay, we got to work on that part. But you look, and uh, Cordero Patterson came back 
and he had 13 carries for 44 yards and two touchdowns. Tyler Algier had 10 carries for 99 yards. And I would honestly say that Huntley would have probably had close to 100 if Patterson wasn't playing. But you had to, uh, he's your starter, you have to distribute the ball back to him uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, how about Kyle Pitts had a couple big catches? How about Drake London had a few? Even Mariota says, I have to get these people more involved. But for now, I'm doing what I can do. And this team is only a half game out, basically. You're a tiebreaker out from the Buccaneers, who everybody, a lot of people thought were going to be Super Bowl favorites. They might be favorites to watch the game or to pick out the halftime show, but I, they're, they're, the Buccaneers are not winning. You guys, Buccaneer fans, can at me at, at that all you want. But this team, when they play their style, which is very much what I just told you, to control the clock, to pound the ball, and to find those running lanes and just be very choosy on the passes, that's when they do well. That's when they do well. But that's going to do it. Or no. Let's preview this game coming up. They have a game tomorrow night. That's part of why we did this show tonight. They will play tomorrow night on Amazon Prime, on Prime Video. Um, I don't know if they're going to show it locally, too. I guess we will get producer Sassy on that real quickly to see if maybe. I honestly don't know. Um, it is going to be local. So, Atlanta fans in the local metro area, looks like you're going to be able to watch it on, I think, Fox 5. But this game is Thursday Night Football. It is Falcons at the Panthers. 8 p.m. kickoff for that. That is going to be a fun game. Because the Panthers are looking to bounce back. And the Panthers have started to put a few things together. Turns out the best quarterback option they have at the moment, injuries withstanding, is P.J. Walker. We've talked about him. They did not, all they did was trade Christian McCaffrey. They did not trade a whole lot of people away. They want to keep some of those uh, bigger primetime players because you have to attract a head coach that wants to come in and basically be a part of a rebuild. And if you trade away all the players, well, who would want to come in with with uh, random with random players that uh, you're not sure what you can get out of? You want at least a few that you can go, you know what, that guy's really good. I can build around him. The Panthers are trying to put it together. And right now, it looks like the favorite is... Atlanta. Atlanta is actually a two and a half point favorite. And since you get three points for playing at home, and that goes the other direction, that means they think the Falcons are a five and a half point favorite. Whew. Oh boy. Well, the way I think this one's going to play out is the Falcons are going to be able to control the clock because they're going to run the ball. Panthers are only two and seven, guys. They're they're actually going to start Baker Mayfield because he's going to be back. He's back. He's been cleared. I think Sam Darnold has too, but they're starting Baker Mayfield. Uh, he is a little bit of a wild card. He is one that gets a chip on his shoulder, and if you give him the chance to beat you and let him hang around long enough, he will do so. So the best thing to do is to not let him do so. I trust this defense to be able to force him into bad situations because when he gets flustered he tends to make mistakes and I very much think that if you run the ball and control the clock and then force Baker to do some crazy things crazier things than he usually does on offense and not make special teams mistakes I think those are my three keys to the game right there I think that's how you're going to do it and this is going to be a fun game to watch it's a quick turnaround that means you get a little bit of a break. You get about a 10-day break going into next week, which should help heal people up and all. I think you start Patterson. 
and uh, keep pushing Algier and in almost a 50-50 capacity because I, I do think, and, and even Huntley when you get the chance uh, as to uh, dispel maybe on, on third down or something. All three of them, if you're on a three-headed attack, I think that's the way to do it. But I do think the Falcons are going to win. I just told you why. And that will wrap up our NFL and Falcons portion of the show. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it will be NASCAR, F1, and maybe a little Hawks. But first, a message from our friends at BetOnline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, That Sports Show. Welcome back. As always, make sure to visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They have the articles, they have the podcast. They have the betting lines, the wagering lines, just all the stuff to make you a smarter fan, even if you don't bet or even if you're not allowed to. So California, you can still, you can still be smart fans. Just saying. Uh, before the break, did a lot of NFL talk, some Falcon stuff as well. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. Uh, right now, I want to mention a little bit of Hawks, and then we will get into the racing. Now, our Atlanta Hawks, they are my team too. Our Atlanta Hawks have had a uh, pretty good go of it recently. Uh, they got the win, I mean, just in this month alone. You had the win over the Knicks in New York. That's always a good thing. You had the win over the Pelicans here at home and a nail-biter. That thing went to overtime. Was able to win that one by a three. Uh, the other night, here's another one. They were able to defeat the Milwaukee Bucks, who beat them earlier in the year, who were undefeated until this point. Giannis Atentacumbo played in this game. Trey Young did not. And the Hawks still beat the Bucks. Now, DeJounte Murray had a big day. That had a lot to do with it. And also, I uh, can't remember, is that guy a rookie? I think. I want to say, DeJounte had 25. We got 24 from Griffin. I think that guy's a rookie, if I'm not mistaken. A.J. Griffin. He just exploded, and they had no answer for him. Now, we all know Nate McMillan is not a big proponent of playing young guys, but, well, when you have one of your stars out in Trey Young, you got to do something to shake it up a little bit. So that's what he was able to do, and that's who picked up the scoring between him and uh, Justin Holliday. Both those guys combined for 38 points off the bench. And if you add a Kongwu's 12, then there's 50 points that came off the bench. And there's a couple added by some other people too, but 50 that come off the bench in a 117-98 win over the now 9-1 Milwaukee Bucks. Like I said, DeJounte Murray had 25. John Collins had 14. Deontay Hunter had... Uh, uh, 10. He was able to contribute. DeAndre. I don't know why I said Deontay. DeAndre. Got produ producer sunshine in my ear about that one. Sorry about that one. Uh, you know, 
a lot of people question some of the moves of this team and, and well they didn't really do this or they didn't do that well Frank Kaminsky has been able to was a good signing because he's been able to uh, contribute I think they're easing him into the lineup you know but AJ Griffin and, and, and Justin Holiday, the way they've been playing has been fantastic this team is is a lot of fun and now Trey doesn't have to do it all because Murray can take over one night. Collins can take over one night. Hunter can take over one night. And you still got Capella and uh, and uh, the other Holiday. We do have two Holidays, by the way. Aaron Holiday, who can lead the point and do some good stuff as well. That's what I like, is the depth is finally starting to be there. And for this game, hey, 17,494 of you guys showed up. That's packing the place out. The place technically only holds 16,888. I guess there was about 500 people standing around. I saw it from I saw it from the chair I sit in right now. Uh, I like when you guys show up, and they like when you guys show up. It, it shows where you're at with the team. Um, they're currently battling the Jazz early on in that game tonight. But this Hawks team, man, with, with this kind of depth, it definitely helps. They currently lead the Southeast as they are 7-3. and three. You get Washington at 5-6. and six. Miami is 4-7. and seven. Charlotte is 3-8. and eight. And Orlando is 3-9. and nine. So you're definitely off to a good start. You're doing really well in this division. Currently in the Eastern Conference, you are the four seed because I think Boston holds a tiebreaker. You're tied with them. Cleveland is 8-2 and two and 9-1 and one Milwaukee that, well, you beat, remember? So technically, if the playoffs started today, I think they get t 10 teams in. There's some play-ins or something, but I'm just going to go based on the top eight. The Hawks would face the Toronto Raptors, and I believe the winner of that would face the winner of Milwaukee and New York. So they would probably get Milwaukee again. Can they beat them in a five-game series? I think so. Can they beat them in a seven-game series? Yeah, I think so as well. This Hawks team is, is a different team now. Um, you got to like that Trey Young's averaging 30 points a game, basically, 28. Clint Capella's averaging 10 rebounds. Trey and DeJounte uh, with the assists and the steals and the turnovers. And Capella with the blocks. Everybody is chipping in and everybody is doing a part. So uh, I, I like very much where they're at and where they're headed. And so they're playing the Jazz tonight. They got a game Thursday as they will host the 76ers. And then on Saturday they will head to Philadelphia to play these same 76ers. Uh, before going to Milwaukee to play the Bucks again. If you think the Bucks aren't going to be ready to repay that, then you are mistaken. But I feel good about our Hawks. Let's talk a little F1, because I want to finish with NASCAR. Let's talk a little F1. Formula 1, they are at the Heineken Brazil Grand Prix. That will be this Sunday at 1 p.m. The defending champion is Lewis Hamilton, and he is still looking to get a win this year, so he might be a perennial favorite. Well, I actually, I think Sergio Perez, Checo Perez, is probably going to be the person I would pick. I just, I feel good about his chances. They're, they're trying to, to finish 1-2 with him and, and Max. So, uh, not saying Lewis couldn't. It'd be nice if Lewis did. So far, this is the first year he hasn't had a win since a long time ago. They're down in Brazil. They only have uh, a couple races left. They have Brazil this week, and then next week they will be in Abu Dhabi for the grand finale. It's been a fun season. It's uh, We know Max has... Already got the single points championship. We know he set a record for most wins this year. 
we know that him and Red Bull have won the uh, constructors. So what do you watch for? What do you watch for when you know it's already over? Well, here's what you watch for. You watch for the team that you like. Maybe you're an Alpine fan. Maybe you're a Red Bull fan. Maybe you like Williams. You watch to see your team do well and finish strong. Because that's what they're all trying to do. You watch because you're a fan of F1 and there's nothing like an F1 race. Nothing like a NASCAR race. Nothing like an NBA basketball team. A basketball game. There's so many things to watch for. And because the chaos has happened this year, you have no idea what's going to happen. Somebody may lead almost every lap and then get spun into the gravel in the last lap or almost hit a crane. They may lead 70 of the 71 laps. I mean, you, you just you really don't know what could happen. But uh, make sure to check it out. It's on ABC, 1 p.m. on Sunday. I guess that's right in the NFL window, but we all know we have multiple screens, so catch that one. Catch that one for sure. And then lastly, I want to talk some NASCAR. NASCAR had their grand finale out in Phoenix and what a finale it was. It comes down to the final eight drivers, right? The final eight drivers, which are Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, and Christopher Bell. Things that we said last week. We said, well, we all know Chase is not going to do it. Something goofy is going to happen. He's going to get spun out or something weird. He did. By Ross Chastain. It was not intentional. And uh, I saw the incident when it happened. I saw the multiple replays. Post-race, I heard what Chase Elliott said. And then I went and rewatched it. And then I heard what Ross Chastain said. And I went back and rewatched it. My take is that I think Chase's spot, uh, spotter, or maybe he just made an assumption that he thought he had the spot or was trying to go down to block Ross, and Ross was already there. It looked to me like it was incidental contact, and Ross was not going to just check up just because that's Chase Elliott and, and that Chase thinks he should move out of the way. So, far as I'm concerned, seemed like uh, no harm, no foul, good for Ross. But that basically left it down to a three-horse race, and we will get into that as we go through each. We'll start at the beginning where it was so awesome to see Big E hyping up the four top drivers as only he can. Big E from WWE, uh, shout out to him. He is trying to come back from a neck injury. Seems like he was moving well, doing pretty good things. And uh, good to see Big E. It really was. Stage one, it started with... Uh, it looked like Denny and Kyle Busch versus Ross Chastain early. Cooler heads prevailed. There were times when Chase Elliott and both Gibbs guys there could have taken him out. Now, a lot of people would say, well, you know, Denny had the beat, but why would Kyle do it? Well, if Kyle takes him out, then it helps Christopher Bell, who is still his teammate, basically until the end of this year, when Kyle will go to RCR as part of that shakeup. Um, but they did the professional thing, and they just continued to drive. Uh, Elliot's consistency was just off the charts early, just how good he was all throughout the year had the most wins, uh, did so well just racing his race because he's so calm, cool, collective, laid back off the track. When he's on the track, he is a madman, and he is very, very good. Uh, Logano went wire to wire in the, in the uh, stage one. He started on the pole, and then he, he never gave up the lead. Um, 
Blaney and LaJoy did get into it a little bit. No caution. But uh, that left us with Logano, Blaney, who recovered, Briscoe, Lawson, uh, Larson, and Truex Jr. to finish out Stage 1. We'll go to Stage 2. That started on lap 69. Rob Gronkowski's favorite lap. Uh, it started off Logano, Larson, Briscoe, Byron, and Elliott. Elliott had snuck himself back up into that. Um, Stenhouse and Landon Castle get into it. Stenhouse ends up breaking a tow link, and that causes not only a caution on lap 86, but that causes both of them to pretty much be done. In all honesty, I didn't know Landon Castle was on the track, so uh, good for him. The restart lap was lap 33 of 125 of 312. You guys get those numbers. That's 33 of 125 in the stage of the uh, 312 that they were going to run. Um, at that restart, it was Logano, Larson, Blaney, Eric Jones, and Truex Jr., then the pit and fuel strategies st were starting, and some of them started a little early. Uh, it looked like towards the end of the stage that Blaney was either having electrical issues or firing issues or a fuel issue, like maybe he was running out of it, but he was able to keep it going and actually coast to a stage two victory. It was Blaney, Logano, Truex, Briscoe, and Harvick. Let me tell you, those, uh, those Stuart Haas guys were, were in the mix all day long. Remember the last two weeks, Cole Custer was right there. Well, today it was Harvick and it was Briscoe, and, and they were right up in around the top five all day. But that was the end of Stage 2. We go into Stage 3, where on lap one, 121 to go, it is Blaney, Briscoe, Harvick, Byron Logano. Um, Reddick and McDowell got into each other and spun in lap 119 to go. They had barely got started in this thing. The restart lap was with 112 to go. Elliott was spun on the restart. That's the one I talked about with Ross. Uh, it, it bent some toe links. They were able to repair them and get him back out there. Then Elliott and Ross, like I said, Elliott come up behind Ross. There were a few chances he could have done the unprofessional thing, but shout out to Chase Elliott for being professional because he absolutely was there. He could have spun Ross out and just went, I don't know what happened. What are you going to do? If I'm out, you're out. But he didn't do that, and that played a part in this. Uh, Christopher Bell pits with 62 to go. Ross Chastain pits with 61, and so does Logano. Those are the three that are still in it. At this point, um, where am I at? Bowman spun and hit the wall with 45 to go that caused a caution. Uh, during, during this particular caution before it restarted, Christopher Bell, uh, part of his pit crew, had a hand injury where it looked like it got caught maybe between the wheel and the wheel well or something. Uh, they had ice on it. I think the guy is okay from what I could tell. But that little snag cost him a little bit of time. It could be a recurring theme coming up. That was the next to last pit stop. Uh, Bell was able to rebound a little bit and get back into it. On the restart lap, Kazalowski spun and uh, was actually on fire. So that caused another caution. We go to restart on lap 33 to go. where it was, uh, like I said, with 33 to go. Logano was in third. Ross Chastain was in first. Christopher Bell was in 15th. Chase Elliott was in 29th. So with 33 to go, outside of a major wreck and a great pit stop, Chase Elliott, his day was pretty much done. Christopher Bell in 15th, well, he's made a case for two you know, win or go home races in a row. 
that he wins he can win from that 15 to 20 spot with 30 laps to go uh, you get Ross Chastain that was leading and you get Joey Logano that was in third they had I think Blaney in between them well the way this one ends up Christopher Bell like I said there is there's another pit stop before the end of it and he has another not so great stop he's pretty much eliminated we're pretty much down to a two car race and they are both battling hard doing big things and this comes down to here's the top five as they finish Kevin Harvick gets fifth place teammate Chase Briscoe is in fourth Ryan Blaney is in second I skipped third for a reason in third place Ross Chastain did he finish ahead of Joey Logano because that's all they had to do was the finish order so even though Elliott was 29th had the other three been 30th 31st 32nd well Chase Elliott would have won but Elliott out Bell out Chastain third place finish he's out your winner going wire to wire basically winning the pole being ahead majority of the day Joey Logano wins his second championship of his career uh, he had a cool story where he had told one of his kids or something that he was gonna win the pole and then win the race and win the championship and he said I don't want to be a liar in front of my kids so uh, he went out and won those uh, fantastic fantastic season uh, so many ups and downs and it was a circus and a carnival and, and a merry-go-round it was everything all in one this I mean what people don't realize is this season started with an exhibition in a stadium they raced in a football stadium to start the year even though it was an exhibition they're gonna do it again next year by the way the clash at the castle or whatever they're calling it that's Coliseum that's that's it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be here in no time it's gonna be here in like two months like two or three months from now so but congratulations Joey Logano this means that Team Penske won the NASCAR Cup Series and Indy Series in the same season first time Roger Penske has ever done that uh, congratulations to him congratulations to Joey uh, it was really cool too um, I like Joey Logano a good bit. He's, he's one of my favorites. I'm not saying that because he won. Everything I always hear is that he's a real good guy. And I can base that on the fact of all the rugby ATL guys that got to hang out with him and, and, and uh, burn some tires in the, in the rat rod he come up in. There's that cool video that rugby ATL has out about it. Uh, and uh, I talked to many players many of the players that were there in that video and many of the coaches as well and the people that were there and every one of them said oh my gosh that guy is so great he's funny he had such a great time they said uh, while some of them were while some of them were um, you know gripping the seat pretty hard as he was whipping it around different places, they said he was just laughing and grinning just as just as big as anybody. And, uh, and uh, you know, just once again, congratulations to Joey Logano. Such a great feat. That does it for NASCAR this season. And that does it for tonight's show. Shout out to all you amazing people who make this so much fun to come on and talk sports each and every week. But I am Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Don't forget, Hawks got some games coming up. F1 is Sunday at 1 on ABC. Falcons play tomorrow night. So go watch, go watch the Falcons. Make sure to catch F1. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.